0: We're starting a new series today. It's called Pushing Back the Darkness. And you may ask, why are we doing a series that sounds so negative? But the reason why we're stepping into this is because life is not always light and laughter. We deal with a great deal of darkness with our, in our lives as well. And when we talk about darkness, what do we mean? When we talk about darkness... It's the things that we struggle with, right? Those things that that we fight against. It can be fear. It can be addiction, sin, um, secret sin, the brokenness of life. All the things that kind of lead us away from God. Sometimes it feels like they are, that we're just attacked on every side. Um, growing up, we used to every once in a while play Risk, and um, my sister seemed to know the rules much better than I did, because by the end of the game, my little country, like Estonia or something, would be pretty much surrounded by all her armies, and it felt like there was an encroaching darkness. Well, it's kind of like that in our lives sometimes, isn't it? It's, it's, sometimes we feel like we are fighting battles that we don't know how to fight, and that um, we're, we're barely able to push it back at all. And now listen, this being, um, this being Mental Health Awareness Month, it's fair to ask, are we talking about darkness that could be interpreted as depression, behavioral health, illness, behavioral illness, be- mental illness, something like that? Yeah, I think it probably could be that, but I think this goes beyond just that and that's not to diminish that at all and here at Crosswalk and hopefully you feel the same way if that's something that you're struggling with and you're battling with please go see a professional um, there's no stigma to that at all we want to make sure that we are healthy and our congregation is healthy so however we whatever we can do to help with that like we'll pray you through that and we'll walk you through that as well because that's really important we want to recognize that's real so I'm not diminishing any of that as well but I think this transcends it a little bit as well um, it, it can be something spiritual spiritual that you're dealing with. It could be something emotional. It can be something physical even that is bringing the darkness into your, your life. It can be, you know what, we can, we can call it out. It can be Satan who's throwing slings and arrows at you. And I know like we're modern day Christians so we don't like to talk about that so much. But we actually believe in that narrative that there is someone who wants to get you off track with God and wants to move you away and is working very diligently to do that. And so maybe it's just that. Now the problem is maybe we don't talk about this all the time because, well, because we know that Jesus is light, right? Scriptures speak of darkness and light, we talk about it a lot. So this should be easy. Jesus is light, so then light is here with us. In fact, we take a, a text like John 8, 12, where it says Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. It doesn't get more clear than that. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is a promise and a gift. What a powerful, powerful thing that Jesus says. But does having Jesus simply mean that there are no more issues in our life and everything's great? Clearly, that's not true. If it were true, then we'd have a very different expression of our lives, probably. We know that just having Jesus and understanding that there's Jesus doesn't necessarily solve some of the issues and the encroaching darkness that we feel in our lives. And so, you know... Jesus is light, but is that an oversimplification? So no, philosophically, theologically, no, of course not. But sometimes it feels like an oversimplification because, because we still have to live, live these lives. Now, we believe, I believe that, that God actually gives us tools to push back on the darkness in our lives. And we find them all throughout Scripture. All these different ways in which God allows us and, and works with us to push back that darkness so it is not something that is overwhelming. Today we're talking about praise and how praise pushes back on the darkness in life. Next week we're talking about prayer, then we're going to talk about presence and people. They're all P words because you know, that's what I do, I guess. Um, but but today we're talking about praise, and I thought rather than start in the New Testament that we would just linger some time in the Old Testament. So we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 26. So we're going to do a lot of work here, so I hope you're ready. If you want um, a Bible, you can pick it up there. Chronicles is towards the front of the book, um, which is okay if you want to pull it up. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So it starts like this this after this do you know what came before don't ever read scripture and read a text like that starts with after this without knowing what comes before because then you really don't have the context so let me give you just a brief context we've got we're talking about King Jehoshaphat right and when in, in Jehoshaphat's kingdom his kingdom was protected by God in the earlier chapters in this book It was protected by God. But then in chapter 18, he does a thing that God's not really happy with. So God pulls his protection away from Judah and from Jerusalem. He pulls it away. And then in chapter 19, Jehoshaphat kind of gets right with God. Then then God restores the protection that he has for this kingdom. And this is where we begin. It says, after this, so after these kind of highs and lows and valleys and summits, it says, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Moonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. So that really means that that they declared war on Judah and Jerusalem. So messengers came and told Jehoshaphat that a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They've already made it to Hazazon Tamar, which is another name for Engedi, which is kind of parallel to the Dead Sea. It's the spring. You know the David spent some time up there. We're going to go there this summer and hang out because you kind of swim in the Dead Sea. And by swim, I mean you float, unreasonably so. And then you go up there and you wash off in the spring that's up at the top there. But there's a response that Jehoshaphat has when he hears this news. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, right? And that's a pretty specific word. My son has started saying he's terrified of things. And he uses that word specifically. I'm like, Jake, how was the thing? It was terrifying. Dude, you went to the store. Like, it's not terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> But that's the word, like, he's leaning into right now. And so he's like, yeah, I fed the chicken. It was terrifying. Like, it was not terrifying. Like, ratchet it down a little bit, brother. Like, it was uncomfortable, maybe. It was anxiety-creating, not terrifying. This particular use of the word, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah, this is interesting, to begin fasting. What we take from that is that his response to a physical threat was a spiritual discipline. The very first thing he did was not physically go, armies, let's get our armies, let's make this thing happen. He was like, no, no, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. First thing, the way he responded to a physical threat was a spiritual discipline. We don't do that. We don't do that. The first thing we try and do is figure out how to fix it and what Jehoshaphat does says the first thing we got to do is give ourselves to God. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And this brought everyone together in community. And when the community is gathered, there's a few things that happened. First was prayer and then was praise. We're going to talk about praise today and we're going to talk about prayer next week. But why, the reason why I wanted to do praise first is because there's this thing within praise when we praise God that, that we proclaim who God is. Praise always equals proclamation. And this, by the way, was not personal. It was not private. It was public because everybody came together. Jehoshaphat then stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the courtyard at the temple of the Lord. Where did they go when they needed protection? They came to church. Boy, that's not the response we have. And let's face it, most of our churches are closed a lot of the time anyway. So if we came, you know, we felt terrified because we have an encroaching fear and we showed up on a Tuesday afternoon, nobody would be at church anyway, All right? That was the temple. Everybody was there. Here's the difference. What they were seeking was the presence of God. And in the Old Testament, that's where the presence of God resided, in the temple. But you see, we don't believe that anymore, We don't believe that God resides in the temple. We believe God resides in your temple, in your body, in your heart. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe that he is with you. Right? So the question of I want to be in the presence of God, well, you are. You are. If you've accepted Christ, you are in the presence of God. Every waking moment of every single day. So where do you run? You run to the place where you can give praise, which is wherever you are. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You rule all of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Praise always begins with truth. It begins a proclamation of truth. And truth is about truth about God that God has revealed to us. Now, secondly, um, it's truth about us. We can't pray. We can't you. We can't sing praise songs without acknowledging where we are for them to have power. We have to be true. We have to tell truth about God, and we have to tell the truth about us. And by the way, Jehoshaphat is telling the truth about him. We are very concerned that all these armies are about to take us over. They there is darkness on every side of us, right? So Jehoshaphat recognized who God is in his praise. He says, "You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you." Praise always recognizes God's power and God's prerogative to save, right? That's why we sing these songs that we sing. That's why we we lean into the lyrics that that they have because we believe that God is actually choosing to love us. It is his prerogative. Then it continues on. It says, oh, our God, did you not drive out those who were in this land when your people of Israel arrived? And did this not Give this, and did you not give this land forever to the descendants of Abraham? Now they're not reminding God, they're reminding themselves that they belong there. It's part of the conversation, reminding themselves of what God has done. Because this is important. And and as they praise, God's presence is revealed, because praise reveals God's presence. And they did this together, by the way. It says this: your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. We come together to seek your presence. It's an ascent to the holiness of God's presence. Like I said, they had a temple, you have a life. Every day you get to experience the presence of God in your life. Right? And praises is one of these moments where you stop and you recognize it, you focus on it. But they continued on. They said, listen, by the way, it's they said. Publicly, they're acknowledging who God is. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out for you to save us, and you will hear us, and you will rescue us. You see, they understood praise protects us. Praise protects us because it reminds us of what it is that God is doing. And we know that God will protect us in the midst of that praise. And now we see the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing You would not let our ancestors invade these nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Praise reminds us as they're singing these praises to God, it reminds them what God has done. But now they're kind of worried because now they're like, now see how they reward us? They, they, They have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking for your help. And I love that phrase because what that teaches us is that praise prepares us. They are now waiting expectantly, and we're about to see this in the next phrase. They're waiting expectantly because they've been prepared. They've gone through the history. They've recognized what's going on, and now they're prepared to see what God's going to do. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children. The Spirit of the Lord, he responds. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, now this is God speaking, listen all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid. Do you know how many times in scripture it says do not be afraid? Seriously, if there should be just the book of "Do Not Be Afraid" in Scripture, every time God starts talking, He prefaces what I'm what I'm about to say is twofold. Number one, don't be afraid. Number two, I'm going to freak you out a bit, right? Because that's what He does. And every time people come in the presence of God and recognize, "Oh, wow, He's here," they get afraid. So He goes, "Hey, don't be afraid. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. Don't be discouraged by this Marty Army." And then he says the phrase that I think is the apex of this whole pericope, this scripture that we're studying. He says this, for the battle's not yours, it's God's. The battle's not yours. The darkness that's encroaching in your life, it's not your job to fight it back. It's God's job to fight it back. Right, We have a tendency to think, i gotta, I got to take care of everything. We have bought so much into the modern myth of competency that we can handle everything that's out there that we don't even let God have a choice. You ever wonder if God's just like, you know, you could ask, right? Be happy to help. You just never asked. You thought you could handle it. I, I think people pray prayers that say, God, where were you? And he's like, seriously, right here. The whole time ready to go. Bro, just, you know, I'm up, coach. I'm ready. You know? God speaks, reminding us of his goodness and his presence. And this is where it gets interesting, where we really see how praise pushes back the darkness. How by reminding us that it's not us who the world needs or our might or our power, but it's the submission to God and his power. The conversation continues and he says, Tomorrow, march out against them. You'll find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jarrell. Praise is prophetic, right? It speaks to remind, to reprimand, to reorient us to what God is doing and will do. And then he says this, and I love this. You don't even need to fight. Take your positions and stand still. And watch. The Lord's victory. He's with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow. The Lord is with you, all right? And this is promise, man. This, this is promise, God given his promise. And all the while, they're, they're, they're answering him with praise, right? And, and, and praise is just this incredible promise that we have from God. We sing both of the promises of God, and we sing of the faithfulness of God as he has promised us. King Jehoshaphat <clears throat> bowed low with his face to the ground. And this is something else that praise does, right? Worship and praise, it always brings us low, not in sadness, but in sacrifice, submission, and humility. We begin to recognize what God is doing. And now it gets crazy. Because then the Levites, from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud shout. Now, this is what I love. They've had this interaction, they're going, and when, when God speaks, they, they jump up and they begin to praise the Lord with a loud shout, with joy, because the result of praise is joy. This is how full circle it gets. You praise God when you're fearful. God responds, promises to do things. God does things. And even before he does things, you praise him again. And then once it's done, what you'll see is that they praise him again. Praise is full circle. We should always be engaged in the praise of God because it reminds us, it focuses us, it reminds us that this is not our battle. So I'm driving back from L.A. on uh, Wednesday. That's fun, driving back from L.A. Um, it's about 3.30 in the afternoon. I've been teaching a bunch of, um, we, they call them unordained pastors. It was an unordained pastors meeting. So young pastors, I was teaching them how to build communities of, you know, love and grace and compassion. And I'm driving back, on LA, um, ba- back from L.A. on the 210, and that is um, not where love, grace, and compassion resides, if you know what I mean. <laughs> So I'm I'm driving, and it's funny how we do this, right? Because I do this too. I'm driving, there's a guy behind me who's kind of losing it back behind me. He's angry that I'm not going faster. I am literally four feet from the car in front of me, right? There's nowhere to go. There's cars everywhere. We're going very slow. And this guy behind is like losing his stuff behind me. And so I like wave like, yeah, okay. But like all my fingers were up, just to be clear. I was not communicating something else, I just waved and he loses it on me. So he's, he's angry and he, he, he pulls out and he gets beside me and he's like screaming at me in his car, right? So I can't hear what he's saying. But I look over and I'm like, hey. That didn't help, that didn't help at all. He was, now he's unhappy. And now I'm starting, like my ire's starting to get a little riled up. Like I'm a little bit like, all right, it's on now. Um, and again, this is happening in LA traffic. So like, it's on. We're not going anywhere. I can't do anything, right? So this guy decides he's gonna cut me off. So when the car ahead of me moves like two feet, he's like, and he comes in. Now, I'm from California. We have an unwritten social contract in California that you don't honk, right? We're not like these people from the East Coast, (laughs) right? You people from the East Coast, you think the horn is somehow attached to your arm. You're like, hey, how's it going? What's happening? You guys are honking all the time. First time I drove in New York, I was like, what is going on? I'm I'm, I'm obeying the rules. And you're like, oh, there's a car. (laughs) I see you. Like, cars don't talk to each other. They don't need your help. Like, stop it. So so this guy cuts in front of me, and it's on. So I actually honk. I'm like, ha, ha. And then I feel really guilty. Like, oh. Because it's super aggressive. Like, don't you wish... We really do need a couple different kind of honks right now. Because we need the honk for at the stoplight when the guy's checking Facebook. We need a honk that's like, hey, man, like, it changed. But not like, hey, man, like, hey, man. Like, I'm not mad because I've done it too. But like, nah, nah, it changed, just so you know. We don't have that. It would be nice to have that, nah, nah, that horn. And then you have the, hey, the Get off of Instagram, man, for real. Like, I'm gonna miss him. And then we need the, Rah! all we have is Rah! right now. And so that's what I have. And, and so he, he waves too. <laughs> Differently. But here's the thing I let this thing, like, I, like, I lose my mind, right? I'm like, I'm mad. I'm mad about it. And so now I'm tracking him, right? Because this guy needs to get somewhere clearly. And so he's like moving around and I'm tracking him. And then every time he changes lanes, I'm like, yeah, he's a jerk. And then I'm mad because he's now ahead of me. <laughs> this is what gets me. So the next morning, I'm working on this talk. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I'm like in it, right? I'm like studying. I'm in it. I'm writing what I'm going to say. I'm like, yes, yes. And then and God does this sometimes. He's like, hey, man. Like, he's got a little, he's got one of those haunts. <laughs> hey, man. Why'd you get off track yesterday? That's my battle. It's not your battle. Why'd you, why'd you let it... Why'd you give it so much real estate in your head and in your heart? Right? Because the darkness was there. Like I'm I'm angry. I'm fighting. I'm I'm and it like 25 minutes of me just staring at the sky. Why'd I do that? I did it because I thought it was my battle. It's not my battle. I don't know where he's going. Maybe his wife was having a baby. Right? Maybe I was in the way of him getting to his wife having a baby. I have no idea. I don't think so. I choose to think it was something else. <laughs> but but what did I do? I, I, I didn't let God fight my battle. I thought I needed to be engaged, and I gave it all this real estate, and it ruined my day. Josephat's not going to do that. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people. I said, people of Judah... People of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. Just believe. And you will be able to stand firm. Like, he's got this. Believe in his prophets. Man, we heard yesterday. and you, You will succeed. Then, after consulting the people, the king appoints singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, I obviously, I'm not good at risk. I'm not really a general of any sorts. But I know this. You don't put your weakest people out front, usually. You put your strongest guys. And musicians have not typically been known to be warriors. I apologize to the praise band. (laughs) Right? Maybe Ashley. Maybe she's a warrior. But, but typically that has not been the case. Why they put them up front? They put them up front because Jehoshaphat wanted to acknowledge the power of God by praising him and leading a physical issue war with a spiritual response, praise. This was bold. This was powerful, Right? At that very moment they began to sing, the very moment, says Scripture, they began to sing, and give praise to the, and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Listen, in most battles, a battle cry is heard, but in God's battles, praise is the battle cry. Right, Praise is the way that we engage the enemy. Praise is the way that we acknowledge who our general is. Praise is the way we access the power that God has to push back the darkness in our lives. It is not us. It is not us. It is God. And it's recognized through the, praying, through, through the praise that we give him. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It's still called the Valley of Blessing today. This was fascinating. So they praised when they were afraid, and they praised when they were submitting, and they praised when they're fighting, and praise is the response to victory as well, full circle. This is what we do. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what your response to the darkness is. I don't know what your response to the darkness in your life might be, right? What is your response to the darkness? Is it fear? Fear? Joseph had that, and what did he do? He prayed. He praised. He fasted. You don't stay there in the dark. Because you know that God's got this. That this battle is not yours. This battle is God's. So what are you worried about? Man, and one of the things I love about Crosswalk, and I love this about all of our different sites, I love that Crosswalk is a praising community. Like, you guys are in it. You'll lose yourselves a little bit. I mean, we're avidus, so... Now, we don't get crazy, but you're willing to take a moment and step back because praise is our acknowledgement that, God, you got this. Let this happen, Lord. You can, you can push back the darkness in my life. I don't know what's going on in every single one of your lives, but my bet is many of us are struggling with what feels like attacks, with what feels like an impending and encroaching darkness in our lives. You might not be able to push it back yourself. You probably won't. But when you give yourself over to praise of God, you are reminded of what he has already done and what he will do. You are letting that weapon of praise that God gives us to push back the darkness be used to its full capacity. Not because you're strong. Not because you sing well. It has nothing to do with that. It has has everything to do with the fact that you're willing to access God through the release and submission of yourself to him and give the battle to him. Because the battle and the victory is his. It's not ours and it doesn't need to be. Don't buy into the myth of competency that you have to fix everything. You can't. But God can conquer all. And if you let him, if you engage, if you let him go before you, he will push back the darkness. It is a powerful tool in our tool belt to be able to push back the darkness through our praise. Let's pray. Lord, may you go before us. And may you hear our voices as we sing along with your angels of your goodness, of your greatness, of your power, of your compassion, of your mercy, of your forgiveness, of your love for us, Lord. Why in the world would you let Satan win in our lives when you beat him years ago? So Lord, remind us to access that. Remind us to engage in worship of you and praise of you by lifting you up and proclaiming your name, proclaiming your goodness and and grabbing onto your power that you have because there's no army that stands against you. It's on this that we build our lives, Lord. It's on the prayer and praise that we have for you that we build our lives on, nothing else. So Lord, accept our praises today as we pray and as we sing into the darkness to push it back. In your name I pray, amen.